welcome to What Every Woman Should Know. This week, we're talking about what every woman should know about how to advocate for our, their children at school. We have a very special guest, good and actually a good friend of mine. Her name is Kim. I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you all about her. Go ahead, Kim. Hi, my name is Kim Schultes, and I'm really excited to be here today. Um, I'm passionate about education, and I think across time I've been a passionate edu- a passionate advocate for students and their families. And um, I feel like we all could do a better job learning to communicate with one another about what our students need, especially during this time. I think it's incredibly difficult to balance what's possible with what our students need. Um, This is my, I counted this morning, this is my 17th year in education. The majority of it spent in secondary. I did do some time where I taught um, college and junior college. Uh, But yeah, this is a big, long stint for me in middle school and high school. So I think I have a pretty good idea about that animal, right? It's such an incredibly cool time of life. I'm really lucky to get to do what I do. um, But I do see how, I see the pitfalls that happen as a parent. I'm a parent myself. Um, My son just finished his freshman, well, his freshman semester, first semester at University of Michigan. He's studying computer engineering, and my daughter is a senior at Virginia Tech. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Um, And she um, just turned in her last application for grad school. So now we're doing the waiting game again to see what's going to happen there. So, yeah, it's, you know, the parenting, it doesn't end, right? Small children, small problems. Big children, big problems. Yeah. That is very true. So I am so thrilled to have Kim today with us because my friends and I have always asked her, how do we advocate for our kids and what mistakes we're making? So I've asked Kim to come on and tell all of the listeners what the top three mistakes we unfortunately make when we're advocating for our children at school with our teachers and with the administration. So Kim, it's all yours. Um. I think one of the one of the things that's the most difficult is that this is such a different beast. Trying to generalize across K through 12 is kind of a challenge. What your the level of advocacy you're going to need for your kindergartner should look very different than what would happen when you have a senior. And again, my expertise is in secondary, so that's kind of where I'm going to try to keep my comments. Um, but just across the board, like as a parent, it's important that you open your mind to the fact that you may not have all the information when you start to make that contact. Um, the way your child sees and perceives a situation with a teacher or with an administrator may be very different than the way the other person perceives it and the way that you do. So just coming in, trying to think about that maybe I don't have all the information. If you start in that space, often like I'm here to find some things out and to seek a solution. I know that seems simplistic, but just putting your brain in that space sometimes helps you to be a better listener. And oftentimes that's the key to the whole thing. And um, to remember that your child may have omitted details, not necessarily okay. out of mischief. Like, not, I'm, I'm sure everyone's child is perfect and wonderful, but sometimes they don't know, right? And they, they see their actions differently, and um, they don't always perceive the consequence on the other side. And so they really are looking to us as the adults in the situation to provide some support, right? Um, it's really important for every kid to know they have a champion, 
right? That someone is gonna have their back. But at the same time, we need to help them understand how actions have consequences. So it's, it's rough. It's a rough situation to be in. Um, the three things that I think happen where we tend to go wrong. The first is waiting too long to make the teacher contact especially in those transitional years. And by transitional years, I mean as your student moves from the elementary level to the middle school level and from the middle school level to the high school level, often as parents, we understand, we kind of want them to step up, right? And, and to do the next thing at the next level and perhaps even advocate for themselves, which is the goal. Um, and we sometimes we step back when we really should have made the contact earlier. I think we presuppose sometimes as parents that information is passed from teacher to teacher about your student. And especially if your student has changed buildings, that may not necessarily be so. I have found that the earlier you contact the, the teacher and you get that relationship started, the more successful everyone is across the board. The teacher wants to see your kid with a win. Right? They're looking for the good behavior. They're looking for the first sign of a struggle and they're gonna be right on it. If you wait until much later, often um, a pattern has developed, right? And the student feels a certain way and the parent feels a certain way and it all could have really been handled so much more efficiently if we had just built that relationship, parent, teacher, student early on, that really does pay off. I worry that sometimes in high school, we tell ourselves as parents that I'm not meant to step in. I'm not meant to advocate in that way for my student. Um, and I think we may go wrong there, especially in ninth grade. Ninth graders still do need our support and they still need to know that there's a backstop, that we all have kind of agreed on the rules and here's what the expectation is. Um, which kind of takes me into the next piece. I think sometimes we over advocate for our students in that hmm. we mm -hmm. step in when we might not necessarily need to, the student may fully be capable of starting the conversation. And again, this is one that's very age dependent. If you have a student who is capable of, maybe that's a good conversation for you to have a parent student first. Like how would you have handled this differently? What do you think the outcome is that you would like student? How can we work together? And if again, it's just about changing your mindset. If you can think about how it's a three-legged stool, how all three of you are going to work together to solve this problem, I think that, again, we come at it in a different way and it helps us to, to focus on the solution, right? And making your student part of that solution as it's age appropriate is so important. They need to know that... Um, you are passionate about them, you are their advocate, absolutely, but that you know there'll be something required from them as well, right? They need to participate in the solution. So sometimes we over-advocate. We do more for them than we need to. Um, so that can be, it can look all kinds of different ways, getting your kid involved and asking the teacher what has worked in the past, that sometimes, um, as a teacher, I do appreciate that. That means that you recognize that I'm the professional in the room, right? And that this, this, this is what I do. This is what I love, connecting with kids and giving me an, an option where I can be part of the solution for your family. And now you've hooked me in. Now I want to be, you know, a, a willing participant. It can be simple stuff like, 
encouraging your student to come up with a signal they have for when they have a question. Like some kids don't want to call out. So what can they do to kind of, so the teacher knows this is my signal that I have a question. Like I have a card that I put on my desk or, you know, I have a, I have a star that I draw in the corner. And that all is, that is all age appropriate stuff. I'm getting your planner signed. I know planners are old fashioned, but it's a really great habit. And I would argue that a lot of adults have a planner, whether it's an electronic one mm -hmm. or a paper one, that habit is really important, but making your kid the one who advocates, who has to get it signed, who has to have the conversation with the teacher. Um, I think those are little things that we tend to overlook, but they do make the kid part of the solution. And it does keep us from over advocating, right? It lets them have their part in the solution. So we don't feel like we have to be on top of it all the time. And I, I'm sure you agree, Sarah, like we are all pedaling as fast as we can. To take one thing off your plate as a mom is huge. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, huge. Huge. Right, exactly. So I have and a question. I think, go do, ahead. Do you, as you talk through all this, is it best to do this face-to-face, -to, -face, to have the parents or the mother come in and talk to you directly versus over the phone or on a Zoom call? What a great point. Um, I feel like as a teacher, once we've gone back and forth twice in an exchange in email, we need to hear voices, right? And if we can't, because of whatever reason, if you don't feel safe doing the face-to-face -face meeting, I respect that. But we need to see one another's faces and realize that we're people and, and that we are all on the same team, right? And so that's a really great point to make is that sometime that personal contact really is great. Like email is wonderful and it's so efficient but it doesn't always help us to convey our best meaning and our best selves, right? So yeah, after a couple exchanges, I think it really is okay. I think most teachers really appreciate the, could we just have a conversation, right? Can we just talk on the phone? And most of us are old enough that we still like to use the phone as a phone. <laughs> so just call us like, yeah, we're happy. We're happy to talk to you about it. And again, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm happy to talk to you about your student's achievement. This is what, you know, it's been days and days talking about that. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. Do you find the parents come in defensive or open to have a real discussion with you about about their child and what's really going on? Because I, I do agree. I'm a, as you know, I'm a mother of a teenager, and I think I get about 90% of the story. Um, that last 10% gets forgotten somewhere, I believe. Um, so how, would, how do you think it's best for the parent to approach you? I think that by the time I see parents, because remember, secondary, so this is like 9 through 12, there's be, there have been some issues already. Um, and sometimes they come in kind of defensive, like you said, like they've had a poor experience at another school, at another grade level, whatever. And um, just being able to make that connection, just sit down and see the person or see the person's face, it can be so empowering, right? That makes you feel like, okay, this person hears me. This person wants my student to do well. But oftentimes as a teacher, I have to climb over what has happened previously. Not everybody comes in with a great experience from the previous year. And I think this year we need to be really honest about what we're pushing into this year. We had a not great end to last academic year. And now not all of us are back live. And, and that brings its own set of challenges. And if your student already had learning challenges or already was struggling with other pieces of traditional school, 
this is, it, it can be difficult. Should people come in with the, you know, assuming best intentions and wanting to be part of a solution? Absolutely, that's gonna make everything easier. But I'm also really, I'm a realist about, by the time you get to me, it's possible that your student has had a not great experience, right? So if we all kind of come at that, and sometimes it's good to just let a teacher know, hey, this is kind of what happened last year. We don't always get the backstory about your student, which I think is great. I don't like to know what happened previously to a student. I like to get to know them where they are with me. Um, but sometimes some of that extra information really is helpful. Gives me a good insight into um, how the student feels about school overall. And again, I teach um, Spanish, so I teach a, a non Academic, well, I mean, it's an academic elective, so, but you don't need to be in my class necessarily, but a lot of them come with different experiences about trying to learn a language and being successful. So those pieces are often really important to me when we're coming up with a solution. Here's my last question, and this was submitted online to us. So there's a misconception that parents shouldn't go into the schools to talk to the teachers. They shouldn't get involved. What advice would you give to that parent who's a little concerned about going in and talking with a teacher. I completely understand where that comes from. And I do think that some of it is the, is the peer pressure amongst parents. Like remember how involved we were when our kids were small and we were all climbing over one another to be the class mom and to get yes. there to do the things, <laughs> yeah, I remember right? That. <laughs> exactly, and it was so wonderful. Yeah. And I loved seeing my child in that environment and then watching my daughter and my son with their friends. It gave me lots of really interesting insight as a parent into who my kid was. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just like to be a part of their day. It's so great. And then middle school and high school comes and the people just step away. It's like a ghost town. We can't get you into the building for love nor money. And I do understand why. Your student is telling you, I will die a thousand deaths if you walk through the door mm -hmm. of the school. Yep. And I get that. And there is an appropriate amount of, of volunteering and things that make you and your student feel comfortable. And that's a separate conversation. But in the high school, I, I want to, I love back to school night. I need to see your face. I want you to ask me the questions. I want you, you are such an important part of your students' academic success at every level, right? I've just launched two to college. Even then, right, you're the backstop. You're the one they're going to call and complain and freak out to, and you're going <laughs> to help them come up with a solution. And if they've practiced these advocacy skills throughout middle school and high school, they're gonna feel so much more comfortable emailing the professor, asking a question on Teams, using Canvas and all these other platforms we're teaching them to use and to start that communication and to, and to understand that it's okay to follow up, right? You can send a follow-up email. People are busy, right? Your professor didn't not answer you because they don't wanna to talk to you. They have other stuff going on too. So. I think it's those advocacy skills are so important. So telling yourself that you shouldn't go in to your student's middle school or high school building, I think you're doing everyone a disservice, right? The teacher wants to know your input. Your student needs to know that you care enough. That's so hard though about being a teenage parent. They crave limits and discipline, yet they resist so hard, but they wanna know that there is a line, right? And they wanna know that you are their advocate and it's the little things, right? Like you showing up and making their academic progress important. Because uh, so many of us, we work. Mom taking off time to come to school is a big deal, right? And I always want to honor that my, 
my parents who come in, like, you made a choice to be here today. I'm absolutely going to be all about this meeting. Right. So, yeah, I agree that it, we tell ourselves that it's wrong when the kids are older, but it's absolutely not. It's still that's still a really good move. Yeah. Well, Kim, we could go on and on, but unfortunately <laughs> our time is up. So I want to thank you again for being our guest today and talking about such an important topic. And for everyone listening, please be sure to check us out at w2wtour.com for other episodes. And please join our Million Women Challenge at our website under the If Women Ran Washington tab. So again, thank you, Kim, uh, for it all of your wisdom. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was fun. And we look forward to hosting you again. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thanks.